Well, this morning we're gonna we're gonna dive into a new teaching series. You know, we have uh, we're coming into the holidays and we're we're excited by that. Most are excited by that, and uh, and and we just want to take a, a a time and get into God's Word to not not just prepare ourselves for the holidays, but to walk through them in a way that honors our Savior who came, God with us, Emmanuel. And today we start by, by, by this series that we call Traveling Light. Now, I, I don't know why it is, but weight and holidays always seem to have an association, don't they? I married a baker who bakes bad things all the time. But especially this week, we're, we're preparing, we're having the elder team and the stewardship team over to our house tomorrow night to celebrate the holidays. And yesterday, I was walking through the kitchen smelling all these great smells, and she had a leftover bowl of cream cheese icing with coconut mixed in it. Can I get a witness? And I came back once, and I came back twice, and in between football games, I came back a third time, and I, I moved from like a finger to a spoon to a... And after a while, I'm like... Please throw this away, get it out of the house, or I will not make it through the holidays. Because there is weight we associate with the holidays, but we're not talking about that kind of weight. So you can breathe a sigh of relief this morning. We're actually talking about weights that sometimes are much more hard to deal with than, than, than the extra calories that maybe a few good cookies and, and, uh, and, and cakes bring. Because you see, guys, what we want to talk about is that in this holiday season, a lot of people... Uh, it's very common for them to feel weighed down. It, it seems to accentuate things that we deal with personally and in family relationships. People feel pressure in this time of, of the year, financial pressure. They, they feel that weight of living up to expectations. For many people, I find this time of the year brings regrets, and, uh, and it's hard to walk through that because of past failures. But I want you in these next few weeks to see how God has provided everything we need to walk in freedom and not be carrying around weights that he never asked us to bear. And I hope we'll do that as we walk through this together. Because you see, as we travel through life, it's amazing what we accumulate, isn't it? It's amazing the things we, we add on to us, the amazing the things that we put into our lives. We accumulate things like hurts, and uh, we accumulate junk, just stuff that, that drives our lives. We accumulate seeds of discontentment that grow into all sorts of problems that God never intended for us to accumulate. So over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how do we let go? How do we travel light? How do, we, how do we not bring everything with us when God said there's a lot of things we need to lay down because he's already taken care of them? Because, you know, I think we underestimate the impact of, of junk, the, 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 the impact of stuff in our lives, things like distraction, th things like fear that leads to control to where we've got to just grip everything in life and control it or, or the past that, that we have because they, they become burdens. And those burdens weigh us down and they make life hard when Jesus said that he had come to set us free, that we would live in an abundant life whom the Son set free is free indeed. We recognize that from the Word of God. And that weight that we feel, God says it's time to let it go. Now, I, I don't normally do object lessons. That's my wife's thing back when she was a kid pastor. But I, I couldn't help myself this week because, you know, all of us, when we come into a relationship with Christ, bring some baggage with us, don't we? Some bring more baggage than others. Do we know that? But yet we all do. There's, there's weights that we carry with us. And, and, you know, we don't minimize them, but most of them we had no control over. A lot of the weights we carried were the families we were born into. They create circumstances, and we didn't sign up for that, right? 
Sometimes it's, it's, it's experiences we walked in as, as youth and the decisions we made in our youthfulness that, that we, we bring into this relationship with God. There's, there's other things, you know, how many know we bring our personalities into the relationship with God? And sometimes our personalities need to be sanctified. Can I get an amen to that? They need to be a, a little tweak. You know, we're always like, well, I am who I am. Well, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you. And he can make all things new. But we bring these things in with us and especially hurts that we've experienced. And yet Christ has given us the power to overcome and to let go all those things. Christ has given us the power to, to, to walk in the freedom that he purchased for us on the cross. I mean, look at 2 Corinthians. You don't have to go there. It'll be on the screen. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has what? Help me out here. It's come. There's something new in our lives. The old is gone. The new is here. Say, Mike, that's great, but why am I still carrying the backpack? Because though we enjoy and we thank God for salvation, many, many who follow Christ hang on to things of the past because it's become part of their identity. And God wants them to see there's a new creation that he's made them to be. So much so that in John 8, 36, I alluded to it a moment ago, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be, you'll be free indeed. And so many people, unfortunately, again, we're thankful for salvation. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for retaking our sins, Lord, and paying the price for us. But yet many never let go and let God heal them and set them free from things that just become baggage in their lives. In fact, so many hang on to the weights uh, from their past that they, that they trade even the lightness of the backpack. They come into the relationship already with some weights, but they trade it for something more because they just keep adding and adding instead of letting God through. In fact, if you don't mind, I'll, I'm going to walk off screen a little bit here. But, you know, it's interesting to me. I find a lot of followers of Jesus and a lot of people that are trying to find him, a backpack's not enough. They got to go for something more industrial. And they, they start going through life like this, you know. It's like, yeah, it's my burden to bear. And, you know, it's my cross I carry. And you know what? A lot of weight gets put in our lives that Jesus never intended for us to have. And we, and we carry it with us, and our witness is not about freedom, it's about our burden. And yet our, our witness, especially in this season of the year, ought to be about what Christ did for us. You know, because when we, when we take the small things and we don't give them to God, they become big things. And the, and the small little rocks that add up, and we're like, yes, I know my personality needs some changing. I know that my family background affected me. I know that I, I deal with things. We, we trade those, and we start getting into, into bigger issues, and we, we start letting the lies of the enemy start getting bigger and bigger and bigger until before long we walk with our shoulders down, and we're just hurting because he loves to lie, and he loves to get us in the lie. But I can tell you guys, Jesus Christ said you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Amen, right? So, so we don't need to deal with the lies, but yet we, we deal with other things. How many know that we deal with our past sometimes? And some people's past is big. Denise and I love, love, love getting out with you and hearing stories. And, and the more we do, we realize how sheltered and blessed we were to grow up in two Christian families because there wasn't a lot of drama. There wasn't a lot of past in our lives, but for some, it's only been drama. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ died to overcome your drama. And we can't carry that kind of weight, but yet there's still more people also. This is one that gets me, and I, I struggle with it, and I know some people do, and that is some people just like to control everything in life. No one's going to say amen to that, because then everybody's going to know you're a control freak, right? And, and really what control comes out of, it really comes out of a fear. I don't trust. 
So I, I've got to control it. And what we do is we, ske- we squeeze the life out of our spirituality and we no longer walk in freedom because, again, we traded the small things for something big that God never intended for us to grab. And now we walk around laid down, holding on to it, and not ever enjoying the freedom God has called us to. And today we're going to begin this series by, by talking about one specific area. And we're going we're gonna to talk today about lightening our load. And, and the, the load we're going to talk about today is one that, unfortunately, as a pastor, I find so common. And Jesus, in fact, told his disciples it's common. And it's the weight that comes in, in the area that we would call bitterness. A bitterness that comes from disappointments. A bitterness that comes from broken relationship. A, a bitterness that comes from experiences that, that did not live up to what we thought they should live up to. And to do that, I want to introduce a scripture out of Hebrews. It's kind of our, our, our theme text in this this morning. And it's out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Because I want you to hear me clearly this morning. Bitterness is one of the most dangerous things we can allow in your spirit at any time in your life. And I want to show that to you in Scripture. But I also will tell you that God has made a way for us to lay down the bitterness and receive healing in our souls. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. This is our our text today. It says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now, how many know that some people are harder to live at peace with than others? Yes? Come on, you may be sitting by them right now. But he says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Father, I pray this morning, God, that, Lord, we will leave this place, God, lighter than we came in, God. I I pray today, God, that, Lord, your word will, will, will get into us with all its power, God. God, with all its strength, Father. And, God, with all its healing today, God. And, Father, I pray that we would, we would live it out, God, in such a way that now the freedom just, just flows through us and shines out of us, oh, God, that others may see you in us, God, and bring you glory and honor, Father. So, God, give us those ears to hear today, God. Lord, let, let us not think this is a sermon for somebody else, God. Let us let, us let your, the light of your Holy Spirit shine on our hearts. God, your, way to, your will to be done, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm convinced that one of the greatest weapons our enemy uses in our lives is is whatever it takes to cause division in relationships i'm convinced that one of the greatest spiritual tools the enemy uses against us is, is what is called the root of bitterness that forms when we allow things that were never meant to attach to our lives get attached instead of putting them under the blood of jesus christ you see what we know in scripture is this and that is that god has called us to love each other And to walk in a a love that he fuels by his Holy Spirit. That he gives us the ability to do that and he increases it day by day. But yet, we have an enemy of our souls that wants to kill, steal, and destroy any point of intimacy that would ever gain among people. Any point where relationship would go beyond superficial. Any point where we'd actually become real and live in relationships, building each other up instead instead of just walling each other out. You see, we know that God wants us to grow in trust. Trust in Him that leads to trust in each other. Trust in God that allows us to build relationships that are mutually beneficial and strong, iron sharpening iron, but yet our enemy wants to steal trust and leave us bitter. In fact, He'll do everything in His power 
to plant seeds in our lives of offense that will grow into a bitterness that the word says not only affects us, but defiles many. You know, it's interesting what causes bitterness. Sometimes it's ridiculous what causes bitterness. It may be the smallest little thing that's so inconsequential, but yet people let it get under their skin, get into their spirit, and the next thing you know, they're letting a, a root of bitterness grow. I mean, it may be as silly as Instagram followers. You know, you've been following your friend, and you've been liking everything she puts up there, and you're just, oh, that's the most beautiful, oh, look at that sunset, and you're, you're on and on and on, and, and all of a sudden you, you realize one day that you're commenting all this time, but they're never commenting on yours at all. And then the death knell comes and they unfollow you. And life is over. It can be as silly as texting your, your buddies or texting your, your family and, and you know you, you put something out there and you can see the little bubbles start forming. You know they're, they're starting to write you back and what happens? They don't. And you're like, well, what's wrong with them? I texted them. Why aren't they texting me back? And, and you, next thing you know, you're letting these little things crawl into your spirit. And, you know, we make light of them. And I tell you, bitterness starts from a very small seed. Sometimes it's inconsequential. But other times it's big. And other times it's real. Other times it is, it's much more significant. Someone you, you love lies to you. Or they, they deceive you, or they talk bad about you, or even they abuse you. And a, and a seed of offense begins to get sown into your spirit that, that God says, give it to me. But if we don't, it begins to take root in us. It may be that, that it's a relative. <laughs> yes, Christmas time. It may be a relative that when you know at Christmas dinner, they're going to criticize everything about you. They're going to talk about how you raise your kids. They're going to talk about how you spend your money. They're going to talk about what your weight is. They're going to talk about all these things. Why? Because they just love just, just, just being critical toward you. You know what happens is you, in your sick and tired moment of that criticism, you just form a, a wall to them. You let a little bit of bitterness get in there, and it begins to, to grow. That offense begins to expand. You know, it may be that, that there's that person in your family or a close relative or a friend that has taken advantage of you who's misled you or betrays you, and you realize there's something inside of you right now that you don't want to have in you, but yet it's controlling your life, and that's the offense that leads to bitterness. And we're going to talk about how to break that today, because how many know it's very, very real? It's very, very real. And Jesus Christ paid a price that we don't have to live in that. You see, here's the key thought for this whole series, and I want you to get this. It sounds so simple on paper, it's hard to do, and that is this. You, you can't control what people do, but you can control how you respond to every circumstance. How many know you can't control what people think about you? No matter how good of a profile you put on Facebook or, or Instagram, that you can't control what people think about you. You can't control what people say about you. Sometimes you can't control what people do to you. But I tell you this. There's good news with our God's help, with God's power. We can control how we respond. Why? Because you don't have to carry the weight of the offenses that lead to bitterness. When they, when they get to bitterness, we, we've now got hard work to do, but we need to stop them before they ever get there. And God has given us the power to do that. We're going to see how God's word shows us that. You know, the Bible gives us a clear picture of what happens when it takes root. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, it says this, it's a, it's a mental picture, and you can picture this in your own life and in other people's lives. When that, when that root is grown and the offense has come, it says this is what takes place. It says that an offended friend, notice friend, wounds from those closest to us are the worst, right? An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. 
And arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. And what he's saying is this, if we are being controlled by bitterness, if we are carrying that weight around us, we've got the wheelbarrow we're going through life with, what we're doing is we are boxing everybody out. We're saying, I've been hurt too much, don't get close. I, I don't trust, so don't get near. And we have all these superficial social media relationships that mean nothing, that, that nobody can sit down over a cup of coffee with us and say, how's life going? And we actually give them an honest answer. You see, guys, in this holiday season, in this build-up to Christmas, God wants us to see that, that this, this weight of bitterness is something that is so common, that is so prevalent, but yet God's power is able to conquer it. We just have to take hold of it. So much so that Jesus was talking to his disciples one day. In Luke chapter 17, he, he brought them around them. And he was just preparing them. You know, can you imagine what it would be like to just have Jesus sitting among us, just preparing us for what's ahead? we do we have the word of god we have the holy spirit of god right but he said to his disciples in luke 17 verse 1 he said things that cause people to stumble they're bound to come in other words it's common but woe to anyone through whom they came they come it would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble so he says so watch yourselves if a brother or sister sins against you rebuke them (laughs) we couldn't be that honest could we rebuke them like, like actually live out the word of God. So if, if they sin against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, what? Oh, so you, you have to give them that room, right? Forgive them. And even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And the apostles said what we would say to him. The apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, we can't do that. Yeah, that's beyond our humanity. It's beyond our ability. And, and if, if Jesus ever would have said bingo, it would have been right there. He said, you're right. And that's why you need me. That's why you need the power of God's word and the power of God's spirit. Because what Jesus was saying was this. He said it was not a question whether or not you or I will have an opportunity to be offended. It is our response to offense that will determine our destiny. We will either go through life with a wheelbarrow carrying the weight of something that Jesus already paid the price for, or we will walk in freedom being blessed and blessing others. And that's the picture God has of what it means to travel life. And you know, this message on this season is, is very timely. It is very interesting to me. I've, I've lived a few Christmases in my lifetime, and it's very interesting to me that, that at, at Christmas time, some people are very, very, very excited about Christmas. If, if that's you, come on, give me, yeah, my wife, woo, yes. We've already watched so many Hallmarks and so many, yes, and favorite movies. Not, I mean, come on, right? But some are very, very excited about Christmas. They, can't, they just can't wait for it to get here. And then there are those that cannot wait for it to be over. <laughs> Why is that? Well, it's interesting because whatever emotional state you're currently in, the holidays always magnify that, don't they? So if things are good in your life right now, man, the job's good, the kids are good, the dog's good, and it's all that, then you just, all those Christmas lights just twinkle a little brighter, don't they? Like, oh, that is so pretty. You know, and the, you don't worry about carbs and calories. Oh, just give me another cookie. That's great. You know, because you're just in this. It's like, yes, I love it. But if you're experiencing drama of any kind, relational tension, setbacks financially, what it does, it magnifies the pain in your life. And that's why this is one of the darkest times of the year, actually, for a lot of people. 
And why the word of God needs to be so clear. That Christmas is not about an elf on a shelf or a Santa or a reindeer. But it's about a king of kings and lord of lords that came to set us free from sin and bondage and provide us with the power that we don't have to live in darkness no matter what our circumstance is. See, that's what Christmas is. So we, we come to this and we recognize in these next few weeks, God is going to bring us into situations that he has ordained for us to represent him. But make no mistake, the spiritual enemy is going to try to sow seeds of disappointment and bitterness into you to where all you're going to look at is people around you saying, y'all are a problem instead of a blessing to share life with. God wants us to break out of that. So how do we do that? Why, why is bitterness such a problem? Go, go back to that scripture we talked about a moment ago. I'll show it to you in a moment. It, it, it's, we can't control people to be right, but we can control how we respond. So what's the problem with bitterness? The, the first thing you have to know about bitterness is this. Bitterness has a, has a dangerous root. It, it has a dangerous root. Now, it talked about the root of bitterness. In fact, in Hebrews 12, verse 15, he said, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up, to cause trouble and defile many. Now I'm I'm a I'm a Southeast Texas boy and and growing up on the on the plains and the prairie there, there was one kind of tree you wanted to have somewhere near you, and that's what we called pin oaks. They were they were different than the oak trees we have here. They grow huge. I mean, branches 50, 60 feet long, and yet, yet when the winds of the hurricanes would come up through the Gulf Coast and hit the Houston area, come, those, those trees would just stand, unlike the trees in Myers Park that fell back in every, every one of our hurricanes here because our oaks have shallow roots. But those roots in the trees I grew up with, the, the, the scientists tell us that if you took them and you lined them out inch by inch and put them side by side, they would literally be over a mile long in, in a mature tree. What you didn't see underneath was causing strength. Well, bitterness, what it does, it causes roots to grow too, but underneath the life you're living, underneath the surface that nobody can see, it's not causing strength, it's actually weakening you. It's actually bringing you to a place where now everything tastes bad, everything looks bad, every relationship is wrong. Why? Because there's something going on underneath the surface that no one else can see that grows deeper and deeper until we deal with it. And if we don't, not only is it going to hurt us, the Word says it hurts others. You see, many of us have experienced hurt. Many of us have experienced disappointment, let down. But those that walk in freedom are the ones that said, no, I am not going to let that take my eyes off of Jesus. I'm not going to let that steal my joy. My hope, my trust is in him. If I can trust him for salvation, I can also trust him for healing. Amen? Because our God is a great God. But yet it's hard for us to see in ourselves roots of bitterness. So how do you know you've got it? How do you know it's there? I think one of the most common ways to know whether there's some root systems that need to be pulled out of your life is this. If you are constantly rehearsing a hurt from the past, how many know there's a root of bitterness in your life? If you're constantly, when you think of somebody's name, everything, everything inside of you cringes, there's a root of bitterness in your life. If you go out of your way to avoid somebody at Walmart, there is a root of bitterness in your life. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says love keeps no record of wrongs, but can I tell you, bitterness keeps a detailed, annotated log of everything wrong that someone has ever done to you. And we like to pull it out. We like to cry a little bit. We like to commiserate with you others because after all, life's just not fair. God said, no, it's not. That's why I sent my son. I never intended for sin to rule this world, but I gave you the ultimate solution, my own flesh and blood. 
who died on the cross and purchased our, our forgiveness for us. And he, he went beyond that and gave us then the power of the Holy Spirit in us so that when bitterness tries to creep in, God is able through us to, to stop it at its beginning and not let it grow up because bitterness has a dangerous fruit. And the second problem with bitterness is this. It has also a, a poisonous fruit. Bitterness is not a solo act. People are like, leave me alone. I'll just deal with it myself. Leave me alone. Just, just don't worry about my life. The problem is your life affects many other lives. Bitterness has this, this poisonous root. The, the writer of Hebrews says it grows up to defile many because he understood something. And that is when we allow bitterness and, and offense to grow in our lives and we nurse it and we rehearse it, what happens to our soul over time is, is we just create collateral damage wherever we go. We just, we just bring it with us. We, we just like the cloud follows us, and it's not a holy cloud. It's a cloud of, of discontent and depression. We know this. One bitter person in a group of friends can destroy that group of friends. One bitter person in the family can make family gathering something you don't long for. There's something you long to get away from. Because, again, it defiles many. And I know some of you are sitting here today, and you're like, oh, Mike, I wish so-and-so would have been here today. They need to hear this. Where, where do I get that podcast? But I, but I remind you again, the hardest place to see bitterness is in ourselves. It's not easy to see. And my prayer this morning is the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us as we walk through this teaching, and, and He shows us, can I tell you, He loves us too much to allow things to stay in our lives that are, that are not, not taken care of, that, that he's given us power to overcome. So we have to understand again and again, don't think this is for somebody else. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to, to me this morning? Because I don't want to be that person that defiles many. So how do you deal with it? How do you, how do you kill a root of bitterness? As we ask God to reveal in our hearts today what's growing beneath the surface of our souls and needs to be excavated, how do we deal with it? Because I, I believe in, a, in, a, in, a, in any crowd, I believe that there's a huge, huge percentage of us that, say, that God's going to say, yes, I've been trying to get your attention on this. Now let's deal with it today. But how do we do that? Not, not how you think so. It doesn't mean I deal with bitterness by ignoring people. It doesn't mean I deal with bitterness by just, by just trying to you know, force myself to make it go away in my mind. No, we deal with bitterness in quite an opposite way that most humans would expect. In fact, in Ephesians, Paul gives us the recipe for this. How do we, how do we break out of bitterness? How do we kill it at its root? Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 starts out very blunt. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave. So how do, how do you do that then? He says, get rid of it. Well, he says right there, I'll show you how. You see, the first thing we've got to do to get rid of bitterness is this. You kill bitterness with compassion. You kill bitterness with compassion. Now, I know just by saying that, there's already tension forming in some of your lives. Because right now, God is revealing an area. He's revealing a person that you need to deal with and, and, and come, come to God with. And you, you're recognizing that offense. But the moment you say, wait a minute, you're saying I've got to be compassionate toward them, it just makes the pain grow even deeper. But newsflash, the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. In fact, when we recognize the kingdom, it is so often opposite of what we would do as human. I mean, think about it. Jesus taught so many things about this. The laws of heaven are opposite of human nature. He said, if you want to be great, be a servant. 
He said, if you want to be great, don't seek a kingship, be a servant. He, he said, if someone strikes you on, on one cheek, he said, it is not up to you to strike them back and hit them harder. He says, no, you turn the other cheek also. Why? Because you're, 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 that relationship is important. He says, if we want to kill the root of, root of bitterness inside of us, we don't pray God will torch our enemies. No, we offer compassion in a way that sets them up to receive the grace and forgiveness of our God. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, 21. He said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He said, it's exactly the opposite. Oh, we want to do evil. Come on. Anybody that's ever been hurt by anybody, you plot your revenge, don't you? I mean, you, we are creative with our revenge. If you don't believe that, read the Psalms when David is torqued off, all right? David's like, let, them, let coals of fire burn their head. You know, let camels like sit on their tent, you know, and like, let fleas overwhelm them. And we get creative. Don't read the Psalms for that, okay? See the other side. But we get creative, and he says, no, do the opposite. We kill bitterness with compassion. We become part of the solution, not perpetuating the problem. In fact, Jesus said it best in the Gospels in Luke chapter 6, verse 28. He said that we are to bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Now, let's get past the southern definition of bless. That doesn't mean you curse those that curse you. I bless them out. What does that mean? You hug it or something or what? I blessed them out. That's what I did. You feel better now? No. Well, maybe you ought to try truly blessing somebody. Because you see, the greatest form of compassion, honestly, is when you begin to pray for people. And you begin to ask God to bring his grace and his mercy into their lives. Well, if you begin to pray for somebody and, and begin to, they begin to experience what you have experienced from our God, that God would soften their heart, that God would show them their love, and they would know that love. Because when you pray for someone else, you know what happens? I believe this with all my heart. It may not change them, but I guarantee you when you pray for somebody else, it'll change you. And it begins to slowly begin to dig those roots up. And it may be hard at first, like, oh God, would you please do what Pastor Mike said and bless them? And then next week, it may be like, God, maybe a little bit more than that, okay? Maybe be nice to them. And then the next week, it's like, God, forget what Pastor Mike said. My heart is now telling me, I've got to release blessing to them, God. So, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth for them as it is in heaven. You see, the greatest form of compassion is when we do that. So we kill bitterness with compassion. The second thing we kill it with is, is with forgiveness. And again, the tension builds. Because you see what bitterness does and offense does? It provides us justification. And the more we think about it, we become more justified. Well, pastor, if you only knew what they did to me, I don't know. And I'm sure it was horrible. But I know what God did for us based on what we did toward him. When we sinned, we bought into the world system, when we came to an understanding that we want to be our own gods, it cost us paradise, but it cost God his own son on the cross. And don't ever minimize that. I know it's Christmas, it's not Easter, but don't ever minimize that. That wasn't just an experience where there was no, no human pain. He was human just like us. And he took upon himself the price for our sins so that we could be set free. You see, we can say, you have no idea what happened. And God would say, yes, I know, but I do. I do know what happened, and I provided the solution for that. And it comes through compassion and forgiveness. In that same chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verse 32 said, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, let's just focus on that last section for a moment. When you forgive others as a believer, 
you're not generating some new thing okay you're not getting creative and i'm well i'm gonna forgive you now no no what you're doing is you are passing along something you've already received you're passing along forgiveness that god has already brought into your life you're passing along the grace of our god who's done everything for us because what did god do when he forgave you how did how did he forgive you he forgave you immediately he forgave you completely unwaveringly generously you can go on and on and on and he said if you want to release bitterness you got to learn to release that to others and when he said that he was thinking of all we've done and all the wrong things he had to die for but the bible says it was for the joy set before him he endured the cross at calvary so that we could be free he took joy out of that isn't it a shame that those who name his name sometimes aren't walking in the freedom that he purchased for us one of the perpetual cycles of bitterness that just goes on and on and on it is because we don't understand all that he did for us and we don't really understand sin we, we like to compare our sin to other sin and say well pastor what they did to me was far worse than what i've done so they don't deserve what i've gotten can i tell you we don't understand sin when we say that neither do we understand that god never called us to compare ourselves with each other that comparison is a is a great killer of, of our spiritual growth no, no. See, sin in its purest form means to miss the mark. You know, if I had the bullseye back here by the sound booth and I, I had a, a gun or an arrow or something like that, we had the bullseye up there. What he's saying is anytime I shoot at that, if I don't hit the bullseye, I have missed the mark. And we may look at what people have done too and say, but they missed the mark by a mile, Pastor. I only missed it by a millimeter. And honestly, on earth, the consequences are different in those two scenarios. But can I tell you in heaven they're not? Because missing the mark and sin by a millimeter or a mile doesn't matter. It's the same blood of Jesus that was shed to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can't get into this comparison thing. We have to recognize what God has done and release that freedom through compassion and forgiveness. So here's what I want to do before we wrap this. I, I know that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So I want, I want to just give you some real quick pointers out of my own experience in this. Because all of us have journeyed in this at some point. And, and one of the things I've learned over the years, if you're going to walk in that way of being able to, to not only forgive uh, and release that bitterness, but also to walk in a way where you're not so easily offended. Come on, give me a witness, somebody. Man, that's the group I want to belong to. We're, the uneaten, we're not easily offended. That's a good group, right? Well, it's kind of like the freedom group we have here on Wednesday nights. We're trying to teach you that. But in that understanding, here's what helps us. Number one, you've got to learn to recognize your own imperfection. You know, we think we do everything well. It's them, they, those that hurt us and mess everything up. But can I tell you, we will never forgive others for more than God has forgiven us. We will never forgive others more than what God has forgiven us. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many know that all means you and them and me? We've all sinned. So you got to start by recognizing, number one, we're not all that. We don't get it right all the time. I offend people by breathing sometimes. I just buy my, my presence. You tell someone in a plane, you're a pastor. You've offended people sitting around you. It's weird, I know. I tell people I'm a spiritual coach these days. Who's your team? They're called Hope. Because people weird out. We, we offend easily. But recognize that, number one, we're not all that. Number two, we need to learn to focus on the real enemy. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, rulers of the air. Our battle is spiritual, not so much physical all the time. Listen, people are not our enemy. 
I know there are those on the earth that they may come against us, but can I tell you, Jesus even made a choice when he saw the people below the cross with the hammers and the nails in their hands. He saw them as unknowing participants in Satan's agenda of darkness. You know, we say this a lot. Hurting people hurt people. Have you ever said that? you ever believe that? Hurting people hurt people. Well, if that is true, then we have to understand that the guilty have their own stories as well. And our compassion would be God healed their hurt so they would stop hurting us. God healed their pain so they would stop inflicting pain on others. It, it's a move that is opposite, again, of what we think. So we've got to see ourselves, focus on the enemy, and finally receive the love of God. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If we truly struggle, if we truly struggle with loving others, if we truly struggle with forgiving people, can I tell you, often it's because we've never fully embraced what it means to be loved by God ourselves. We, 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 we somehow think we deserve it, and that causes us to make other people deserve our love. Or we think we've earned it, and we, we, we somehow then put that onto others. Well, they've got to prove they're, they're worthy of compassion, Pastor. Then I'll forgive them. But you know what? We did nothing to earn or deserve the love of our God. In fact, the Bible says while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. While we were far from the cross, while we were opposed to him in our spirits, Christ died for us. Someone once said this. I want you to see this on the screen. It's just a different way of saying a common phrase. But to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was me. Isn't that good? To forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to discover that prisoner is me. You see, when we learn to do this, when we learn to take these blocks and say, I, I'm not carrying that weight anymore, what happens is this. The things that offended us, the things that happened in our lives, they are real. We don't deny that. But no longer do they control us. They just become a memory, not an emotion. We don't all bow up and we think about it. It's just a memory. The Christ is covered by the blood of the cross. We begin to walk in freedom. We begin to walk in trust. This week as I was praying, preparing for the sermon, my heart was breaking for a lot of our flock here, a lot of our, our community. Because we share life, and I know. I know some of you, even seeing this topic like, Pastor, you know too much. I, we, we, we know. And my heart breaks because some of you believe in God with all your heart and you, you, you love Jesus and you, you thank him for being your forgiver, for being your savior, but yet you've not yet learned to walk in freedom and you know it because you're imprisoned by a memory, by an offense that God says it's time to dig up the root and let it go. To live light, to travel light. But as long as you feel justified, you're just going to take the wheelbarrow and leave today. As long as you feel you have a right to hold that in and hold them against someone, you're just going to keep being weighed down. My heart breaks for you. Because can I tell you, when you begin to walk in freedom, this journey gets fun. No matter what the trials that come, no matter what the, the obstacles you have to overcome, no matter the, the weird relationships and hard relationships God will take you into, can I tell you, you learn to walk them with a joy set before you because you know you're bringing the light of the gospel wherever you go. And you become to this person that is not easily offended because you stop rehearsing it, you stop reliving it, and you release it to God and pray the Holy Spirit sets you free because He alone can do that. He alone can do that. 
Luke says it this way. We're going to close with this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. I asked you all ago to let the Holy Spirit begin to prepare your hearts and minds to, to deal with something today. We, we have response time here at Hope. We, we believe everyone should respond to the teaching of the Word of God, not just a select few. And, and even in that moment, I say, forgive your enemies. Some of you already have a mental image. Do good to those who hate you. Why is it I go the long way to get to my office because I don't want to walk by their office? Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Live such a life before them, filled with the love and the energy and the power of God that when they want to slander you, they can't. They've got to make stuff up because all they can see is God in you. And pray for those who mistreat you. You see, this morning, guys, as the musicians are coming, it's, it's, it's time to unload the wheelbarrow. It's time to take it back to Lowe's. It's time to, it's time to let it go. Now, I can think of no better way to enter into this holiday season of traveling light than coming to a place where we say, God, today, I'm going to make a choice. God, today, I'm going to make a choice to dig up some roots. God, I'm going to take a choice, God, to, to begin to see things differently, to see people differently. And if I'm going to be honest with you, God, I, I can't do that without you. And you know what? God is here by his Holy Spirit to help us this morning. I remember personally sitting in a, in a, in a setting like this one time, hearing a message similar to this, and everything in me was saying, no way am I going to let that go. No way. The hurt's too raw, too real. Can I tell you, until you let it go to God, you will never experience the joy that comes with living life. You'll never experience the freedom that comes from saying, I'm done with that. It will no longer control.